Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Service for all brands of print equipment in your office? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A. On Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 12.33 in Edmonton. Brendan Escott back with you today. Bob is uh, heading off shortly along with the Oilers to Winnipeg. It's a Central Division back-to-back doubleheader. Away first, home second, back in town on Sunday to take on the Minnesota Wild. Uh, Some guests of Oilers now receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Whether you're celebrating a special moment or simply savoring a night on the town, every meal is an occasion at Roos Chris Steakhouse. Excited, as always, to chat with uh, Elliot Friedman from NHL Hockey on Rogers. He is brought to you each Friday by Mid-City Construction Management, providing you with the highest quality and most cost-effective solutions in the safest way possible. Visit mid-city.ca. Elliot, you're on with Brendan. How's it going today? I'm good, Brendan. How are you doing? Excellent. Thank you. Bit of a late night last night because of all the scoring in that one. Didn't get home until uh, 11.30 or so. But another win, 4-0 for the Oilers under Jay Woodcroft. So I ask you this out of the gates. I mean, what are you seeing from the group and the amount that you've watched them recently that perhaps had uh, tapered off, let's say, with Tippett? Well, first of all, Brandon, tough to complain about getting home late because of all those goals, man. I mean, uh, (laughs) I didn't know you were anti-entertainment, I have to say this. Maybe you would have been happier if the Ducks were scoring all those goals, Brandon? Uh, Certainly not. (laughs) Okay. Certainly not. Uh, I think there's a couple of things. I mean, first of all, you're getting saves. That's the number one thing. Um, You know, Skinner had that big shutout the other night, and uh, Smith has certainly been on a bit of a heater. And, you know, it's a reminder of last year when Smith got hot, how much the team takes off. And he's on a bit of a heater right now. He's healthy. So, you know, that helps too. But it's obvious that they've made some uh, tweaks. You know, you can see it. Um, McDavid's minutes are down. Drysdale's about equal. But it, it looks to me like they're at least trying. And I, I know Derek Ryan talked about it yesterday. 
there's look. I think everybody understands that McDavid and Drysaddle are the nuclear weapons on this team, and what they do is is incredibly important. I think what also you know is that you know even when McDavid is he's not out there for 38 minutes a game. Drysaddle is not out there for 37 minutes a game. You you have to find a way to win those minutes, and even if they're not together. Um, you know, I, I think that he's trying to empower other players to say that, you know, you're an important part of this group. I think that doesn't always work, but I, I think what you're trying to do is empower people and that can have an effect when things are going well. The other thing that's obviously happened is there are, I don't know if I would call them structural changes, Brendan, but it, it's pretty clear that there's a focus on doing some things a little bit differently. Um, in terms of they, they clearly don't want they, they clearly want their forwards to be careful that they all don't get trapped deep in the offensive end they're trying to stand up at their blue line a lot more um you know i, I think when you're getting saves and you're winning games people buy into that and right now you can see the attention to those kinds of details has really helped it's i, I mean especially last night you know, we've talked all year about the crazy thing is how the Oilers don't score first. Well, last night they don't score; they didn't score a first or second, and they still won the game. And I would bet that when that one was 2 nothing, I would think a lot of Oilers fans would have felt that even a few weeks ago that wasn't a game they were winning. So let's, if we back this out, I wonder when you were hearing about other, you know, how other people, I guess, were discussing Woodcroft and Manson and the transition. Are they regarded by others as players' coaches? You know, do they have sort of a title? Because when I think about what Tippett was supposed to implement, it was a lot of the defensive certainty and the defensive structure. And then you talk about that falling off toward the end. And now we've got a guy who I don't think was regarded as a defensive coach that's completely improved the way that they're playing defensive hockey in terms of their backtracking and that sort of stuff. So I just wonder when you hear about Woodcroft, what's what are some of the, I guess, traits or tendencies that come to the forefront? Well, the first thing I would say is that when you're going through what the Oilers players were going through with all the losing and the uncertainty, you're more inclined to listen. Right. I, I think if somebody presents you a, a way of saying uh, that we can do this a little bit differently and you see some success with success with it, you buy in. I mean, all you have to do, like, look to the north of you and look to the west of you um, in north of you. Daryl Sutter comes in and, you know, he's changed the mindset in Calgary. They're a lot better team than we thought. Uh, if you look to the west of you, Bruce Boudreau came in and immediately they got a bit of a bounce. It might have been too late for them, but they got a bounce. And, you know, players, at least the best players, I think, are pretty alert to what's going on around the league. They probably saw that in those two close neighborhoods to them. And they said, you know, well, this can make a difference. So that's one thing. I think the players are receptive to listening. You know, first of all, Manson, he played for a long time. Uh, you know, he, he would understand how players think. Um, and, and I think that helps. If, you're, if you want to use that, you can use that skill to get your message across. The other thing that's pretty clear is the, those young defensemen, they clearly trust that coaching staff. Like, you look at the way they play, they clearly feel comfortable on them. And that says to me that Manson and Woodcroft know how to get their message across to them. You know, as for Woodcroft himself, I don't know if I'd want to label him in any particular way. 
I, I just think that he's been around a long time. You know, for a guy, he still looks pretty young, uh, which I think is disgusting. But <laughs> he, you know, like he's been around, like he's coached in the NHL for a thousand games. Not as a head coach, obviously, but he was an assistant coach and he was a video coach. And the other thing, too, is you look at the people whose coaching staffs he was on with. You know, those are people who, especially McClellan, they've been around for a long time and they have a lot of different approaches. And I think I told this, I wrote about this, and I told this, I think, last week. I just remember that he was on the coaching staff, McClellan and Woodcroft were, at the 2016 World Cup of Hockey on a North American team. John Cooper was on that staff, too. And so, I think, was Peter DeBoer. And a couple of the players told me that Woodcroft had a lot of responsibility. That's how much McClellan trusted him. And, you know, McDavid was on that team. So it's not like he would be totally unfamiliar or uncomfortable with being in that kind of scenario. You know, Woodcroft went down. He paid his dues. He was clearly ready for this opportunity. And, you know, the thing is, I have no doubt that he walked. Like, when you're prepared for this opportunity, you, you walk right in there. And if you're, if you're prepared and you have a good message to sell, when players will buy into it. You know, one of the things that I've talked about with Bruce Cassidy of the Bruins is when he, when he was a head coach for the first time in Washington, one player told me that his, in, the first time he ever met with the team, which was at training camp in Washington that first year, he, like, blew it. He started off very poorly, and it never really got better. And I talked to him about that once, and he agreed. And a couple coaches told me that the, you get only get one chance to make your first impression. And, you know, I, I think obviously the players have bought into what Woodcroft told them. I don't think that he would be afraid of that. But, again, at the end, the big difference is you're getting saves, Brandon. And if you're not getting those saves – uh, you're not, nothing's working. So I hope that was a good, like, eight-minute answer. <laughs> no, absolutely, and you touched on a lot of stuff there, and it makes sense because, I, I, you know, from the backbone of things out, that seemed to be where a lot of the confidence in the team was shattered is when they weren't getting the saves. And you talked about the, the coaching, or the players trusting the coaching staff, and you see, obviously, that going the other way. Last night, I watched Marcus Niemalainen get double-shifted after he had a really, yeah. really strong effort out there and he's trying to bring the physicality and, you know, maybe the least trustworthy player as it stands right now with the puck on his stick, but he's still getting rotated out there like that. So, you know, the empowerment that you talk about, I think because there's been so few brand new introductions to this staff, it's obviously expedited the process quite a bit. You just wonder, you know, is this going to be sustainable then or, you know, is this a really positive reaction because of all the pre-existing feel-good sort of relationship that would have been there? Well, winning cures everything, right? Certainly. You know, ultimately, Jay Woodcroft and the Oilers are going to go through his first losing streak at some point because that just... What's it happen? What happens? And then you know we'll see how you you pull together after that point. But right now, when you're winning, you know everybody's in a good mood. Um, the food tastes better. Whatever you're drinking tastes better. Your partner's better looking. It's all good, right? Um, you know, and you know they needed that. They needed some good news. Like when they fired Tippett after those two losses, they lost control of their destiny. 
Okay, and now they're rolling. They they beat LA, a team they have to beat. They beat Anaheim, a team they have to beat, and they've regained control of their destiny. And when a new coach comes in the middle of the season and asks you to do something that's different, the only way you're going to buy in over term is if you see that it's working for you. So right now, the Oilers can sit there and say, this is working for us, so we're going to continue the buy-in. Chatting with uh, Elliot Friedman from NHL Hockey on Rogers. Vander Kane's addition solidifying the top nine, at least until Yessa Poyarvi went on the shelf for four weeks. So we'll see what the yep. ripple effect of that is going to be. But it just looked like a legitimate top nine, that third line. Where, you know, I find it interesting. We were talking weeks or months ago about Ryan Nugent Hopkins maybe not being an NHL caliber center. Well, how has that shifted now as he's centering a very productive third line over the last couple of games? But I wonder how much of this and everything sort of falling into place has to do with getting Evander Kane into town and watching him produce early too. Look, Kane is is a heck of a player. He is he is a difference maker on the ice. There's no question about it. The, the question the questions surrounding him uh, do not have anything to do with his on-ice performance. And he has every reason to be uh, motivated to uh, be great here because, you know, future contracts depend on it. Um, but, like, you know, he is a hell of a player. Um, he's, he's one of the best four-checkers in the league. He's a, he's a scorer. Um, he, he's not afraid to throw his, himself around. Um, he's also not afraid of microphones as we saw the other night in LA. Um, you know, I, I, you know, he's, when he plays, he's, he's a good player and he's shown that here. Let's go around the NHL to wrap this all up. Montreal, a big win for Martin St-Louis. Finally, they let go of Tyler Toffoli, so lots in flux. It should be when you've got nine wins at this point in the season. Uh, But Mm -hmm. how big was that to just sort of finally maybe turn the page here, let's get the first win under the belt for St-Louis, and let's see if we can start, again, getting some of these younger players maybe more minutes down the stretch. Well, more significantly, Brendan, than the win to me last night was the fact that Caulfield was a big part of it, scoring the tying goal and the winning goal. As far as I'm concerned, Montreal has one major – I mean, the, the fans are all going to be interested in whatever trades or moves they might make. But as far as I'm concerned, Montreal has one major goal as an organization, and that is between now and the end of the season, how do you get – Cole Caulfield and uh, Nick Suzuki and Alexander Romanov and those guys feeling good about themselves. How do you make sure that at the end of the year they go back and we say, yeah, I know the first half of this season was a disaster, but I just want to go out and feel better about myself now when I go home. And if that was the start of it for Caulfield, that's a bigger win than the result of the game for the Canadians. I think that's what they have to do is to make these guys start to feel good about themselves again. Can they do that while still moving out? I mean, I guess that's going to enable the opportunity for, like, if Sherratt moves, there goes Romanov, Zeiss time should bump and that sort of thing. Uh, any more moves coming down the pipeline as they uh, probably look to offload some of their cap and assets? Edmondson, even as he starts to get healthy? I, I think that there will be more. Uh, the, the Canadians have made it very clear they're willing to do more. Aside from their top young players, uh, they are willing to consider just about anything. So everybody knows that. They're open for business. 
Uh, I don't, you know, I mean, I don't know if Petrie gets done now or it's the summer. Um, I don't, you know, Lekkinen, I think, is another player that there's a lot of interest in. Sherrod, of course. You mentioned Edmondson, though it's been a challenging year for him for a lot of different reasons. I mean, the one guy I'm curious about is Anderson because I think there's interest, but I'm not sure what the uh, Canadians are considering there. But there's, there's definitely a knock going on. <laughs> Chicago's 7-4 loss last night. And I know, Elliot, Marc-Andre Fleury wasn't a net for that one. Just, you get the sense that they're almost at the point of just kind of mailing it in on this season here because that was a tough effort to, to Columbus, who, by the way, holds Chicago's first-round draft pick this year. So trying to drive them as far down the standings as possible. Except in top two. That one is gotcha. top two protected. So you want them to end up third if you're Columbus. Uh, you know, it's it's been a nightmare there. And uh, they're going through a really unique job search right now. They've got some uh, real unique uh, contenders there. The, uh, the assistant general manager of the Chicago Cubs, a vice president of the Toronto Raptors, uh, in addition to some more traditional candidates. I, I, I think we're all really curious to see where this is going to go. So, um, you know, it could be, you know, we already knew this was going to be a year of change in Chicago, and now you wonder if there's going to be even more change. I'm, I'm really curious to see where this is going to be. Well, they have some assets they can recoup if they decide to offload the likes of Kane, and I'm sure there's contenders around that would take him, or if they can find a dance partner for that Flurry contract as well. How about Claude well, Giroux? Brendan, the thing with Flurry is Flurry has a partial no trade. He doesn't have a full one. Okay. But when 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 he was traded to Chicago this year, he did. They did promise him that he would be able to determine his future. So he will have a say, obviously, in where he does or doesn't go. As for Kane, I, I do think they've been asked about him. Um, I, I do what they're thinking there. I, I would tend to think that's more of a, if, if there's any chance he could be traded, that's more of an off-season conversation, I would guess, than now. But I don't think it's – but I would, I would be surprised. I mean, they're going to be hiring a new general manager sometime soon. We've got a month of the trade deadline. Can you really do that all now? I guess you could, but it would be a big, big challenge. Chatting with uh, Elliot Friedman, and i got to get your thoughts, Elliot, on Claude Giroux, who may well be the most coveted asset at this year's deadline, the likes of, again, the Rangers, Colorado, maybe Minnesota, getting into the mix there. What's the latest? Uh, well, you saw his media conference the other day, and you saw how emotional it was for yep. him. Uh, he said he hasn't had the conversation yet with Chuck Fletcher, but I think it's I, I think it's very possible that those conversations go on around Giroux. I'm sure there are teams letting Philadelphia know that you know it, when the Flyers are ready or when Giroux is ready, they'd be interested if Giroux's interested in them. Uh, I'm sure there's teams already talking to Philadelphia about saying, look, if if Giroux wants to come to us, here's what we'd be interested in. I think the Flyers are undoubt- well, they're undoubtedly scouting some of these other teams that they haven't been already. You know, I, I think obviously Colorado has interest. I think Florida has interest. Um, I, I also think that, uh, you know, Minnesota and St. Louis have been reported. I mean, who wouldn't have interest? I think he's mm-hmm. the best offensive player available. 
uh, at least that we know is available right now. And he still obviously cares a lot, but it doesn't sound like we're really close to this happening yet. Although eventually, one of the big challenges him is his cap hit eight two five, and also his a thousandth game as a flyer. Knock on wood. Hopefully everyone stays healthy. It's supposed to is four days before the trade deadline. Oh, okay. And I I could see Giroux wanting that. Like based on the way he talked the other day, uh, I could see him wanting that. That makes a lot of sense. Something I didn't know there. Uh, last thought from you, World Cup of Hockey. I know they're trying to get something brewing on that front. Luke Tardif uh, talking, the president of the IIHF, as to whether that might be a possibility, it sounds like. Yeah, I, I think they want to. Um, there, there's no question in my mind they want to do it. The players want it. I think the League and Players Association want it. Um, I know that... People like they've never tried it in the middle of a season. And I think that's what they want to do is do it in the middle of the season. And, you know, one of the things that has scared owners about it in the past is was John Tavares injury in 2014. Yeah. I just remember one owner telling me this is why he doesn't like the idea of best on best right in the middle of February. Cause if somebody gets hurt, you don't have enough time to save it, save the player, right, for the playoffs. But I know that's what everybody wants to try here. Remember Garth Snow being quite bent out of shape about that. Oh, yes. (laughs) He was not shy about his feelings. Elliot, thank you so much for the time today, man. Enjoy your weekend, okay? All right, you too, Brennan. Have a good weekend. Once again, better questions. I love it. I'll make sure he knows. Thanks so much. Elliot Friedman from NHL Hockey and Rogers. I'm late into the break. Chris Gardner's pushing the buttons on the other side of the glass. Appreciate you as well, Chris. We'll be back in a moment on Oilers Now. Hi, this is Zach Cassing from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chet. A little more BTO for you here. Again, Robbie Bachman turning uh, 69 today. I think I said 68 off the top of the show. He's 69 today. Brother Randy, 10 years older. That's my understanding. All right, let's get to NHL today for our friends at Elite Promo Marketing. Elite Promotional Marketing, that is. They are your local branded merchandising specialists. Head to ElitePromoMarketing.com. Just four games on the schedule tonight. No Canadian content, but it should be a good one. As Nashville, or, uh, yeah, Carolina is hosting Nashville. Uh, Minnesota gets Florida. Chicago entertains Dallas and Vegas and Los Angeles will battle it out in uh, Sin City. Montreal did add Vincent LeCavalier to the hockey ops department. He and Nick Bobrov will join the front office. LeCavalier as a special advisor. Bobrov as the the uh, co-director of amateur scouting. Again, I just mentioned it to Elliot. The International Ice Hockey Federation says he's optimistic, or President Luke Tardif saying that he's optimistic NHL players uh, will participate actually in the Winter Olympics in 2026 in Milan and Cortina, although he does want an agreement reached a lot further in advance than for Beijing and what ultimately transpired there. No surprise. They also said the World Junior Tournament is coming back to Alberta. They didn't specify whether it was to Edmonton, so I guess we'll see on that front. Bakersfield hosts the front half of a home-and-home with Stockton. The Oil Kings draw Saskatoon at Rogers Place this evening. Uh, We'll get an update on the team from Brad Lauer at 135. And the U of A Golden Bears hosting McEwen at the Claire Drake tomorrow night. I still have a minute here? I think so. 
I think so. Let's get to a couple of your text messages. 780-496-0063. Brendan, let's look at a few factors here. Dave Manson is sharing the minutes with seven D-men. Woodcroft is making his players accountable, all uh, given his lines, giving all of his lines opportunity to contribute. You need a team to win. Success, uh, you have to buy into it. That's from Herm the former uh, Western Hockey League goaltender, I believe. And, and that's totally it. As you're looking at, I think everybody buying into the excitement of the added responsibility. When you see guys like Legison and Nima Linen getting a couple shifts back-to-back and succeeding and not turning the puck over or flying up the ice and joining the rush, to me, that's confidence. And obviously, look no further than what Dave Manson has done to this team. 1228 in Edmonton will send it off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell, back with Mark Spector for the Horses Horse Racing Alberta. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the Great White North and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.